Well, I wanted to share a couple verses with you about unity, because I think this is important. Uh, let me go here to 1 Peter 4, 8 through 10. It says, and above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. And then go to that. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. In verse 10, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You know, right now we are in a time where there is a lot of fear. We know that we're in the last days. Jesus said it from the time that he came. We were in the last days. And uh, certainly right now we know that the days are evil and we see a lot of things going on. And, uh, and, and I know for me, you know, we talk about masks, non-masks, vaccines, non-vaccines. We talk about COVID, all these different things, politics, everything going on. And here's what I want to encourage us in this church fellowship, that you let your love be fervent in love for each other, recognizing that we're all going to have different opinions, different views. Uh, there's going to be times when we disagree with one another. Uh, sorry, this is blowing on my mic. I was trying to figure out where that was coming from. Uh, we're we're going to have times where we disagree with one another. And I, I want to say this. Uh, we're all going to talk about these issues because all week long we're being inundated with the problems of the world. And we're trying to figure out how to deal with these things, what to do. So when we come back here together and we talk about them, just pray for one another. Lift each other up. I'm sorry. I got this. Is, I thought it was an awesome thing that I got a fan, but... Uh, so uh, I want to just really encourage you that you'd uh, be hospitable one another without grumbling. Let's not be uh, divided over these issues. Our, our church elder board spent a couple meetings and a lot of good time talking about whether or not we could help people with a religious exemption from the vaccine, those who were concerned. Uh, but one of the problems that we talked a lot about is how do we do this and keep unity in the church, recognizing that some have chosen to be vaccinated and some have, are absolutely opposed to it. And we believe that, that uh, God has given each one of us a, a freedom and liberty to make that choice. And so we went back and forth and we do ha- think we came up with a solution where we have a letter for those who, who need it. Uh, and whether or not that uh, your employ- st- employer will accept, I don't know. But but we do have something if you're looking for some sort of exemption. But let's not be divided over these things. Uh, James 5, 9 says, th- says this, Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. And we want to make sure that we're, we're not grumbling with each other, especially over these things. Pray for one another. Lift each other up. Encourage one another. Uh, so if, if you're talking about it with somebody and they have a different view, just be gracious with each other. Say, hey, let me pray for you if you're concerned about this or seeking wisdom about it. And I'd, I'd really appreciate that. Uh, we're starting to see little grumblings here and there, and uh, let's not do it in this church. Uh, let's just be of one accord. All right. Uh, Kay Smith, I also wanted to announce that Kay Smith went to be the Lord, uh, Pastor Chuck's wife, on Friday afternoon at the age of 94, and she's entered into glory. So healed from everything. And then we have a few other prayer needs before we go into uh, tonight's message. Uh, Timothy from West Africa, and I'm going to say the country he's in. We usually keep it kind of guarded. He's in Nigeria. He's asking for prayer. Uh, They are uh, attacking the Fulani. This has been going on for a while. Wall Street Journal did uh, probably about eight months ago, did a whole article on the, the silent genocide of West Africa. Well, this morning he, he messaged me about uh, gunshots going off and uh, that church has been canceled and they're really concerned for their country. Uh, we've had multiple workers with Timothy who have been shot. Uh, they, so far, I believe every one of them is still alive. I don't think we've lost any of them during this particular uh, go-round. And uh, so he's asking for prayer for for the church there in Nigeria and that people would stop killing the Fulani because they're not all terrorists. Uh, he himself is a Fulani. And then we also want to pray for what's going on in Afghanistan before we get started. Uh, so let's go ahead and pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for being our God, Lord, that you care about all these 
uh, places and people. And Lord, we thank you that you have those in, in West Africa who have yet to hear your name. And then you have all those servants there who are trying to evangelize, Lord. And I thank you so much for Timothy's heart and his co-workers, Lord, that they want to continue sharing the gospel and that they've been risking their lives to do so. And so, Lord God, we pray that uh, you would uh, protect them. We pray for the church, Lord, that you would open up the doors, uh, Lord, that this this, uh, war that is going on between the tribes and uh, there in West Africa would cease, Lord, that you'd bring peace. And uh, Lord, we also want to ask for Afghanistan, that there are many Christians who are now being put under, back into slavery under the uh, Muslim uh, law. And Lord God, we ask for you to set them free. We, we pray, Lord God, for your intervention. We pray, Lord, that you uh, protect our troops and rescue out those who are, are leaving. But Lord, we just ask so much, God, that you would uh, set these people free from this uh, terrible way of life and this, this law. Lord, there's many who have grown up never knowing Sharia law, but now, Lord, they're being forced back into it. And Lord God, we ask for you to rescue. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And, and Lord, we come into your text tonight and we ask for your blessing. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I want to ask Naomi Tan to come on up for a minute. Naomi, maybe you can come to this side. Okay. Uh, come on over here, Naomi. This one's not on. There we go. Naomi and Alan led the trip to Uganda this year, uh, this summer. And she was telling me a story. We were debriefing last Sunday after church in the morning. And she was telling me a story. And I asked her, I was like, Naomi, you got to come back and share this story because it's a great story. And uh, tell, us, uh, tell us about what happened, uh, one of those things that really touched you on this mission trip. Good evening. Um, so I thought I was going to Uganda to bless Arthur and Lydia and the children at the orphanage. And that happened, but it isn't, um, and it was wasn't what was most impactful in my life. Three years ago, I went for the first time to Uganda with Pastor Dave and his wife, my dear friend Laura, from work. And um, I had the privilege of seeing Rafat teaching STS, uh, simply the story, which is a way to teach the Bible um, orally. And when I came back, I was all about that. I... um, my husband and I just got trained and, and threw ourselves into it. And, and you teach a Sunday school class here at 9 a.m. Sunday mornings. Yes. Of teaching the Bible or, through orality. Yes, STS. Everyone should come. Everyone should come. Yes. Yeah, I think Ben and Melinda come and maybe some others. So, yeah. And um, I had decided before I left that I would learn stories, even though because of COVID things were shut down and then we found, you know, like more and more restrictions, but I, I was determined to learn and, and to, to be ready, um, if, if the opportunities would arise. On the last day we were on Arthur's, uh, plot of land, which is, you know, like his, his farmland, we were going to leave and I still hadn't done my woman at the well because there is a borehole that they have there now. Um, did you show it to this service? Yeah, the Easter Sunday we showed you a video of the borehole that was just completed at the Uganda Hope Home Farm. And so even though it belongs to Arthur, um, it, it's on his property line, but the, the fencing doesn't go around it. So the whole community comes and uses it and is blessed by it. And so I said, Arthur, we can't leave yet. I haven't done my story. And so he came out, and there weren't a lot of people there, and we just started doing the story. For those of you that don't know, STS is interactive. So I tell um, the story as it is found in the word. And you ask questions, and your audience answers you. And so I've got their answers coming in. I've got a translator, Arthur, and there's a lot of things you're keeping track of. And in my spirit, I felt before we end this night, I need to, or this story, I need to uh, make the invitation for anyone who might want to accept the Lord. And as I'm keeping track of things and going on to the next step, I lost it. I messed up. And I realized we're praying and, and the story's over and Arthur's leaving. And, and I think, oh, okay. And I just go to leave as well. 
And one of the young women who was there as I was leaving said to me, but she says you haven't given her living water. And I didn't really hear her at first, so I turned around and I said, what? And she said, and it was her grandmother. She said, she says you haven't given her living water. I said, of course not. I don't give living water. Jesus does. And then grandma said something to the young lady. And then she tells me one more time, yes, she says you haven't given her living water. And then it hit me like, oh my God, <laughs> like she's asking, she's asking for the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, how dense was I, right? But thank God that it wasn't by my might or my power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And his word had touched her so fervently that um, she wasn't going to let that white lady leave before, before she had accepted Christ. So I'm hollering for Arthur to come back, and we um, spent a little more time with her, and um, she accepted Jesus Christ. So we all have a beautiful new sister in the Lord, and her name is Sabina. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and then if, uh, if people here want to hear about living water, what story might, where, where might they go in the Bible? John 4. John chapter 4, yeah. It's a wonderful story. And uh, thanks so much for sharing that. Thank you for being faithful to share at the, uh, the borehole. You know, the boreholes are amazing because people hang out there all day long. They're always coming, getting water, uh, going back and forth. And it's a great place to go tell a story orally. And uh, if you're interested in learning how to do, teach the Bible through orality, 9 a.m. Sunday mornings, uh, they can learn that. And then, uh, of course, if you can't make it 9 a.m. Sunday mornings, you can do uh, STS workshops online. Uh, the, it, which, what's that? Oh, you guys also Zoom a class on Wednesday nights? So you have a class from your home that you started, yeah. So it, it's teaching the Bible through orality. And thanks so much, Naomi, for being faithful. And uh, we invite you to, to go and share some stories. It's amazing how... How God knows his people. Thanks so much for being here, Naomi, and coming back for tonight. I'll see you uh, next Sunday, Lord willing. So, all right, we are in 1 Kings chapter 8, starting at verse 54, picking up where our dear brother Alex left off last week, and uh, back into 1 Kings. Uh, all right, so we, we've got some details here, but uh, we're going to kind of skip some of the details, but we'll, we'll go through this part, and then we'll... We'll kind of skip some of the verses and, and jump into other parts. So, all right, First Kings chapter 8, verse 54. And so it was when Solomon had finished praying all this prayer and supplication to the Lord that he arose from before the altar of the Lord, from kneeling on his knees with his hands spread up to heaven. Now, let me remind you where we're at here. Solomon has just accomplished, he's just finished building the temple uh, for God. It was a house for the Lord. That was the whole goal. And he built this incredible temple. He started this amazing prayer, which if you missed the last couple weeks, uh, Duncan, uh, I believe Neil, did Neil continue in First Kings? Yeah. I haven't had a chance to hear his message yet. Duncan, Neil, and, uh, and Alex last week have been kind of going through this chapter, but highly encourage you to read it. It's a beautiful prayer that he prays. And it's an amazing work that's been accomplished. Now, one thing that I find interesting is he started his prayer standing with his arms extended to heaven, but now we see that he finishes his prayer and supplication and he arises from before the altar of the Lord from kneeling on his knees. So at some point he fell to his knees as he's making this prayer, this supplication before God for his people Israel. And then verse 55 says, Then he stood and blessed all the assembly of Israel with a loud voice saying, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he promised. There has not failed one word of all his good promise which he promised through his servant Moses. May the Lord our God be with us 
as he was with our fathers, may he not leave us nor forsake us, that he may incline our hearts to himself to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, which he commanded our fathers. I'm going to pause there for a moment. This is incredible. Solomon is recognizing a truth about God, and it's a truth that man, and when I say man, I mean mankind, all of us, uh, seems to be very forgetful about. And it always depends upon our situation. But this truth that Solomon is remembering is that the Lord has never failed to keep one of his promises. Not one. Now think about all the promises going back all the way to Abraham. Let's just go back to Abraham. We don't even need to go back to the garden. Let's just go back to Abraham, those promises that God made to Abraham. Abraham, come out from your people. I'm going to make you a nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to bless all those who bless you. I'm going to multiply you as many as the stars, your descendants as many as the stars in the sky and the grains of sand on the seashore. And I'm going to do this. And Abraham believed God, the Bible says, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And, and so, so he, he set out to a land who was not, where, that was not his land, to a people that were not his people. Abraham set out with this idea. And we, we know the story of Abraham as he continued on in this sojourn. Sarah gets to about 90 years old when God finally says, okay, now I'm going to give her a baby. What? <laughs> And, and, and before that, Abraham and Sarah kind of tried to figure out a way to make this happen for God. They weren't sure that, that, that they weren't supposed to be proactive in helping God fulfill his promises. But no, no, God had a plan and Isaac was born to Abraham, the son of the spirit, as the Bible refers to Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob had his sons his 12 sons, and then, of course, Joseph had two sons. And so the, the 70 went down into Israel, and they came back out a multitude after 430 years, just like God had promised that they were going to go into Egypt during that famine, that they were going to be enslaved, and that God would bring them back out a, a great multitude. And he did just as he said. Well, fast forward those years... As Israel endured in slavery, and God said, God, God spoke to the people through his prophet Moses, the leader that he had raised up, continually speaking to the people about what God would do to deliver them. And we see that Israel has this for forgetfulness, that they have this like amnesia that constantly happens to them, where God says, I'm going to do this, and as soon as uh, it gets a little bit painful or a little bit fearful, they start forgetting, complaining, whatever the case is. But all the way through, we see God fulfilling every single one of his promises. Every promise. And so on and so on, all the way down through Joshua, through all the judges, and then to David. Every promise that God had made to David, he fulfilled. And one of the wonderful things about the life of David was David never fought to obtain any of those promises. But David waited. And it was an amazing testimony to David's trust in the Lord. And we know that David wasn't a perfect man, but David waited. And so Solomon here, as he starts recounting in this victorious moment of the dedication of the temple, and he starts recounting this, he says that, that God, blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people according to all that he promised, that he's not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised through his servant Moses. God never fails. That is a truth that you need to remember that God never fails. We fail. We fail all the time. David failed. Solomon's going to fail. But God never fails. And each and every one of his promises, he will always see through. And listen, God has made some incredible promises to you, to you. In fact, the Bible not only says has, that God has made these promises of you for future glory, the hope of glory in Christ Jesus, that not only has Jesus Christ died for you, paying your debt of sin, but he's risen from the dead, conquering death as the first fruits from the dead that you too, you and I who believe in Jesus, will share in that very same resurrection. 
And, and just to make sure that you understand that God is serious about it, he actually put a down payment on it from you, for you. And I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says the Holy Spirit is. It's, it's a down payment. It's a good faith payment from God on you, sealing you for that final day of redemption. That's what God has done. He'll fulfill it. He's given you his Holy Spirit. God does not fail. So although this world falls apart around us, although things don't go our way, although we suffer pain and we endure hardship, we, we rejoice at times, we have blessings, we go through this life, you can know that the one person that never fails is God and you can trust in him through his son, Jesus Christ. So Solomon, praise me, the Lord God be with us, verse 57, as he was with our fathers. Lord, be with us. That's a great prayer. May he not leave us nor forsake us, that he may incline our hearts to himself to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, which he commanded our fathers. That's a beautiful prayer. Lord, let me walk in all your ways. Let me keep your commandments and your statutes. Now, I pray that prayer when I pray with my kids at night that they would walk. Lord, teach us to walk in your ways all the days. But, you know, it's, not one, it's one thing just to, to pray it, but there has to be some action involved with that prayer. What I mean is that, that if you pray a prayer to God, but you, you're disingenuous in your prayer, that you're just like, well, I'm going to pray, Lord, let me walk in your ways uh, all of my days, but you don't do anything, you don't learn his ways, you, you just kind of go through life going, yeah, I want to, I, I pray to prayer, Lord, let me walk in your ways, but you've never once opened up God's word to find his ways. Really what that prayer is, is saying, God, help me to commit this to my life, put it upon my heart and my mind, bring it to attention as I have need for it, especially in the time of temptation or in the time of stress, or, or whatever time it is, help me to know and to discern your ways from the ways of this world. But if you just go around praying like, God, oh, uh, help me walk in your ways, and then you go, well, it seems best to me to go do this. Oh, that's just man's way. That's not God's way. Choose man's way. And so it's a wonderful prayer to pray. Uh, I would encourage you to pray this prayer, but, but that also means that you need to commit to knowing God's way and asking the Lord to, to uh, bring these things uh, to the forefront of your mind and your heart. Uh, Saul, uh, Moses instructed the people with their children to teach their children as they go on the road. Teach them the word of the Lord, the commandments of the Lord. Bind them to your foreheads, right? He said, bind them on your hands and your foreheads. Put them on your doorpost so that you might remember the way of the Lord. And I, and I want to encourage all of you tonight, don't just sit around saying, Lord, I want to know your way, but you really don't. Be honest with God. If you want to know his way, seek him out. Seek his word out. Lord, teach me your word uh, that I may be faithful to do it. So, so he prays this beautiful prayer, and it's a good prayer to, prayer to pray. Verse 59, and may these words of mine with which I have made supplication be before the Lord. Be near the Lord our God day and night, and that he may maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel, as each day may require that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God, there is no other. Now, I want to look at that for a minute. He asked that God would maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people. I think it's worth asking, what is the cause? Well, he answers it. He answers it right there, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and there is no other. That's the cause of the people of Israel. That's the cause of, of Solomon, that as he rules his people... He might reflect the wisdom of God, that wonderful gift that God had given Solomon. Remember, Solomon prayed when God appeared to him by night in a vision, and Solomon asked the Lord to give him great wisdom, and so, did, so God did do, do that, because Solomon wanted to make sure that he took care of God's people, and on top of that, God also blessed him with much more. But, but the prayer here is that God uh, would... 
enhance their cause, that God would accomplish their cause, and that uh, all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and there is no other. That is a, another part of the, the same prayer. We can pray today for each and every one of us. God, may you make your cause happen. Can, Lord, make us successful in our cause. Well, what's our cause? Well, certainly that cause should be making him known, b- fulfilling the Great Commission, making disciples of all the nations. So, all right, verse uh, 61, let your heart therefore be loyal to the Lord our God to walk in his statutes and keep his commandments as this day. And, uh, you know, I'm going, kind of hitting one verse, two verses, and we're stopping a lot, but, but it's important. There's a lot here. Let your heart therefore be loyal to the Lord. He's telling everybody, let your heart be dedicated and loyal. Now, this is important because... Uh, we have issues. We're going to find out that Solomon has issues with this, and it's actually quite sad. Solomon starts out so powerfully. This is such a victorious moment for all of Israel, and as he starts out so powerfully in, in praying this prayer, the dedication of the temple, it's a wonderful victory, but we're going to see later on that Solomon's heart does not stay loyal, that Solomon walks away from the Lord. He starts worshiping other gods. And it's really a terrible tragedy when, when you think about it because God equipped Solomon with so much. But, but when we pray, let our heart, heart be loyal to the Lord our God to walk in his statutes and keep his commandments as, as at this day. It's kind of wonderful. Solomon's looking at that victorious moment saying, let us be like this every day. I think about marriage and uh, being in ministry and being around people uh, uh, Laura and I, we've looked on Facebook and social media, and we've seen a lot of people we know from high school and things like that that have had divorces. Uh, I've dealt with, obviously, people that have had affairs on, on their spouses, and it's, it's pretty, it's, I, I don't know, there's more damage you can do than that. And, and I, Laura and I will have conversations about it, and I know it's like great romantic conversation. Let's talk about how we prevent an affair. <laughs> but, but it's so destructive and it's so disheartening when you see, because everybody gets married with the same start, right? It's like uh, we all make vows to each other. It's the most glorious, uh, happiest day next to birth of your kids, right? That's an incredible day too. But people don't ever get married expecting to get divorced, Right? That doesn't happen. I mean, maybe some people talk about divorce or whatever when they get married, which is already, it's kind of like saying you're going to fail before you start, and that's probably a bad idea. But, but Laura and I will talk about that, and we'll have conversations about that. And I, I think about that uh, a lot, but it, w- one of the things I've learned is that people allow their hearts to wander. And it never starts out with looking to have an affair. Rather, it starts out with a relationship that is decomposing, that is breaking down. A, a, a loss of your first love, so to speak. I love that Jesus gives us that, that command uh, or the command of the church at Ephesus to remember the height from which you have fallen. Remember your first love. Do the things you did at first. That's a good command for us in just following God on the day-to-day basis. It's a wonderful command for, for how to keep a strong marriage. Do the things you did at first. I, I threw a rock through a window. Just kidding. <laughs> no. But, uh, I, I, you know, little things that I did to let my wife know that I cared about her, loved her. I did actually climb up to her window one night with a ladder. Her dad wasn't happy about that. So, But we were fighting. So, you know, anyway, that whole thing. But... Yeah, I got in trouble for that one. <laughs> so, but, but, but just remembering, and, and if you let love wane for your spouse, if you break, let your, 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 your relationship start to decompose, it opens up the opportunity for a wandering heart. It opens up the opportunity for Satan to bring just the right person to speak just the right words to you, to make you feel more important than your spouse does, to get you to drift away. That's the way it kind of works. And then you start believing the delusion because we love to believe delusions and lies. 
part of the sinful nature of man, sadly. Well, Solomon writes, let your heart therefore be loyal to the Lord. How do we keep a heart loyal to the Lord? We do the things we did at first. Just think back to when you came to Christ, the fervency you had, the desire you had to know him. Do those things again. Walk with the Lord. Invest in your relationship with God. Do the same thing with your spouses, by the way. Invest in your relationship with them. But don't let your heart wander away. And then you'll see that you'll walk in his statutes, keep his commands as this day. Verse 62. Then the king and all Israel with him offered sacrifices before the Lord. And Solomon offered a sacrifice of peace offerings, which he offered to the Lord. Now look look at this. 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the children of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord. On the same day, the king consecrated the middle of the court that was in front of the house of the Lord, the, the uh, front middle court of the temple. Uh, for there he offered burnt offerings, grain offerings, and the fat of the peace offerings because the bronze altar that was before the Lord was too small to receive the burnt offerings, the grain offerings, and the fat of the peace offerings. So Solomon and the people of Israel, they're dedicating this temple and they're having this giant barbecue. That's literally what's happening. Uh, they're, they're barbecuing all this meat. Uh, they're giving the fat portions to the Lord. They're keeping their us. They're having their peace offerings uh, with God. And it's uh, just this wonderful celebration. But it's so much that they have to actually consecrate and dedicate a, uh, the area away from the bronze, uh, the bronze altar to... to magnify the amount of offerings that's happening. Verse 65, at that time Solomon held a feast and all Israel with him, a great assembly from the entrance of Hamath to the brook of Egypt before the Lord our God, seven days and seven more days, 14 days. On the eighth day he sent the people away and they blessed the king and went there to their tents joyful and glad of heart for all the good that the Lord had done for his servant David and for Israel, his people. Now, this is amazing. This this event is happening. This fair and it, or uh, this fanfare of God, and as they're celebrating God and they're celebrating God's covenant, they're in the land. They've built a house for the Lord. Uh, I think there's one a, a, a reason here that's actually listed in Chronicles why they stay so long, and it's all about the presence of God. Turn over to Second Chronicles, chapter seven. Second Chronicles, chapter seven, and often. Chronicles gives us a little more insight. Uh, Verse 1 says, when Solomon had finished praying, this is before when he had finished, uh, when he had uh, stepped up from kneeling with his hands before the, the altar, it says, when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple and the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down, the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord saying, for he is good for his mercy endures forever. And one of the things I do love about this moment and this victorious time in Israel's history is if you remember when they were at Sinai and the mountain trembled and quaked and they saw the the big cloud, and, and uh, all the people saw this, and they said, tell you what, Moses, you speak on behalf of the people. We, we, we don't want to go near the, the, the mountain. We're too scared. You speak for us uh, to God, and then we'll stay back here. You come back and tell us. And, and it was really kind of sad, because when they saw the power of God, they were treated away from God. But here... The glory of the Lord comes upon the temple, consuming the the sacrifices. This incredible pillar of fire uh, comes down from heaven. And the glory of the Lord temple. And look at what the people do. They stay there and they praise the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. It's, It's kind of exciting because there's a heart change in the people of Israel from those who were wandering in the wilderness who first came out of Egypt to this group of people. Now, we know that it's going to be only a couple of generations and they're going to be totally 
forget a lot of these things, and it's, it's going to be really sad. But for now, there's a wonderful, victorious moment, and they're just loving being in the presence of God. And they stay there 14 days in total. They're just ready to sit before God and wait on God and celebrate the Lord. And um, there are times when God does special things in our lives. Um, it, it, in uh, youth ministry, we would call them mountaintop experiences because we'd go up to summer camp on the mountain and every kid's riding high coming down the mountain. And then, uh, you know, we'd, uh, they'd have this big mountaintop experience where they really met the Lord in a special way through the worship, through the word. And, uh, but kids being kids don't know what to do with it. They get down the mountain and then they're just like, uh, I want to fill it all the time. And I'll tell you right now, I think it's so important that, that you yearn for those experiences with God, but recognize that it's not going to be all the time. Just like Solomon, God doesn't appear to Solomon every day of the week. He appears twice in Solomon's life and it's beautiful when he does. And there's going to be times when you're going to feel that you're in a valley, and then times when you feel like you're on a mountaintop. And eventually those times will become rolling hills, not so extreme, right? Between valleys and peaks, you're just going to be like, well, now we're back in the time of trial, but Lord, here you are with me as you grow and mature in Christ. But uh, uh, yearn for those times to be with the Lord and, and uh, seek after him, seek his face. It's important to do that. So uh, let's see, verse, uh, verse 62. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, no, 65. At that time, Solomon held a feast and all Israel with him, a great assembly from the entrance of Hamath to the brook of Egypt. Oh, no, we read this. Yeah, that's right. Uh, verse, chapter 9, verse 1. And it came to pass when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house and all Solomon's desire, which he wanted to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time. And he had appeared, as he had appeared to him, uh, at Gibeon. Now that was in 1 Kings 3, 5 through 9, if you want to look that up later. Uh, 1 Kings 5, or 3, 5 through 9. Verse 3, and the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. I have consecrated this house which you have built to put my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Now, if you walk before me as your father David walked in integrity of heart, and an uprightness to do according to all that I have commanded you. And if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever. As I promised David your father, saying, you shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. I'm going to pause there. So it comes to pass after he had finished building everything, that he had made this incredible accomplishment that God appears to him again. Now, G.K. Morgan says this. He says, it was the hour when the accomplishment of work means the relaxation of effort. That is always a perilous hour, and the greater the work done, the graver the peril. A life which has been full of activity, when that activity ceases, demands some new interest and will find it either high or low, noble or ignoble. And uh, I think that's true. I think when we have these great victories for the Lord or this great activity for the Lord, we're really invested and involved. It's like being on that mountaintop. But then when we come down into that inactivity, there's a perilous moment there. and We're going to see it turns perilous for Solomon. I would encourage you as, as one who is growing in the Lord or being mature, don't, don't slow down. I mean, there's times when we take rest but keep yourself active in serving the Lord, worshiping the Lord, giving your life over to Him. Don't just become, uh, you know, sedentary for the Lord. Because when you become sedentary, apathy sets in. When apathy sets in, unbelief sets in. When unbelief sets in, you find yourself very far from God. I always uh, hated when I would meet somebody as a youth pastor, and, and they, you know, ask, what do you do? I'm, oh, I'm a youth pastor. And they say, oh, I used to be a youth pastor. And, like, I didn't even recognize the person as a Christian, the way they acted. They'd walked so far away from the Lord. Oh, and I'll, I would ask, well, what happened? They are like, oh, I just had other things, other plans. It changed my views about things. And I'll tell you right now, apathy set in. And uh, they, they just walked away from the glory of God. And so, so uh, God, God, it came to pass that Solomon finished building the house. 
God meets, uh, gives Solomon this, uh, this response, I've heard your prayer, your supplication. How beautiful it is that God actually responds. Solomon's praying this prayer and God says, I've heard it. Now, you may not have had God appear to you. You may not have had God tell you, I have heard your prayer, but I want to tell you that his word says he does. Your, word, your prayers are like incense before the throne of God. And God has given you his Holy Spirit who intercedes on your behalf. It's an incredible relationship that you and I have. Solomon here is, uh, can't just go into the Holy of Holies whenever he wants, but you and I, it says in the Scriptures, because of the work of Jesus Christ, the, his paid blood for us, you and I can approach the throne of God boldly. We, can, we are actually encouraged to be like that persistent widow who went to an unjust judge and persisted for justice, you and I actually are to go before the just judge of all the earth and persist before him. And, and the, the Son of Man, when he comes, will find faith on this earth. And we should continue persisting in prayer before him because we know that God hears our prayers. He, he always hears your prayers. If you're like, oh, I don't know if the Lord's listening. Listen, I'll tell you right now, the best thing you can do is start praying often. Join the, ch- the church prayer chain, the echo prayer chain. Start coming to prayer meetings, and you're going to see God answers prayer. Now, he doesn't always answer the way we want him to answer, but he does often answer the way we're asking him and petitioning him. Uh, we recognize that this is God's will. God does what he wants, but we've seen some amazing miracles. But uh, oftentimes the reason why we say God doesn't hear me or God doesn't hear my prayers is everything is very self-centered, it's, and it's only this like one thing that I want versus, Lord, what do you want for me? Lord, let me conform to your will. Let me pray with the corporate body of believers. Let me see your work and answer your prayer. I'll tell you right now, there are times when we leave here from prayer or uh, when we have prayer answers that I feel like the glory of the Lord just came down and filled the temple. It's incredible. It's not literally what happens, but that's how I feel that I just saw God so, so, amazingly reach out from heaven and respond. So uh, our thrones are, so Solomon is told that he'll, he'll, he's, God has heard his prayers. You and I have an even better covenant that we can come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you walk, verse four, before me is your father, David walked in integrity of heart and in uprightness to do according to all I've commanded you. Now, let's pause there for a minute. Remember King David? Remember how King David was perfect? Never did anything wrong? Remember that part as we went through there? No. <laughs> so what, what does that say about God's standard for Solomon? It's a heart issue. It, it's, it's not an issue of, uh, obviously God has a holy standard and he expects us to meet that. But God's standard for, for David was a heart, there was a heart issue with David where he was a man after God's own heart. He pursued after God. Even when David did wrong, he repented and came back to the Lord. And so, so God's not telling Solomon that I expect you, if you want your son to reign on the throne, that you have to be absolutely perfect and, never, and totally flawless, never misstepping away from me. That's not what God said. Because the fact is, is Solomon's already screwed up a couple of times. We've already seen him marry the uh, Pharaoh's daughter of Egypt, which he was told he wasn't supposed to do. Solomon's already uh, acquiring wives, which he's not supposed to do. He's already acquiring horses, which he's not supposed to do. But but, what God is asking of Solomon is that he he would have a heart like his father David for the Lord, that he wouldn't go after idols and those sorts of things. Now, I'm not excusing sin. We never want to excuse sin. We never want to say, well, it's just a little sin because there's no little sin in God's eyes. I'll tell you right now, let me tell you what a little sin does. A little sin causes God to step out of heaven, become a man, be beaten and tortured and nailed to a cross, enduring its shame. That's what a little sin does. So, so don't think of sin as little sins, but what I really want to say is that here God is almost, he, he's condescending to Solomon and saying, just be like your father. That's the expectation. Be like your father. And by the way, I believe absolutely that even with David, 
just as it was Abraham, it's credited to them as righteousness, their faith. That God is extending a credit for these Old Testament saints, knowing that Jesus is coming, knowing that they don't have the, more, the, more, the fullness of the word of God. God is condescending to man so that man can walk before him. It's God, our God is such a loving God, an incredible loving God to, to, to meet us where we're at. And so, so David says, uh, so he says, I'll, I'll, I won't fail, you won't fail to have a man on the throne of Israel, but if your sons, verse 6, but if you or your sons at all turn away from following me, and do not keep my commandments and my statutes which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship then, then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them. And this house which I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight. Uh, Israel will be a proverb and by a byword among all the peoples. And as for this house which is exalted, everyone who passes by it will be astonished. And will hiss and say, why has the Lord done this to this land and to this house? Then they will answer, because they forsook the Lord their God who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and have embraced other gods and worshiped them and served them. Therefore, the Lord has brought all this calamity on them. Now, if you remember, Solomon's prayer was like, Lord, let us walk before you. Let us keep your commandments and your statutes. That was his prayer. And so, so God is saying, I hear your prayer. I, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll honor that prayer. And I will keep a descendant on the throne if you continue to, to honor that prayer. If you continue not to f- go after other gods, you or your sons. Now, he's already made a promise to David, which we know Solomon breaks this and God removes Solomon's line from the fo- throne. We know that the, that's part of the miraculous virgin birth and the fulfillment of that to, to put the son of David on the throne being in Jesus Christ, but remove Solomon out, out of that equation. Uh, but here God has said that he, he will do it. But here's the deal. If you break this, if you start going after other gods, then you're going to become like a proverb and a byword among all the peoples. Now that's not good to be a proverb among the people. It's kind of like, basically, there's going to be a saying, don't mess with the Lord God. He doesn't tolerate sin. He's not going to tolerate going after other gods. He's not going to, basically, everybody's going to know. And as far as this house, the temple, which is exalted, everyone who passes by will be astonished, will hiss and say, why has the Lord done this to the land, to this house? Which is what's going to happen. The Babylonians are going to come in. They're going to tear it all down, completely destroy everything. Uh, we're going to see that happen in the future here. Uh, then they will answer because they forsook the Lord their God. Now, when you think about a proverb, a proverb usually gives you a truth and, and, and a truth of wisdom so that you can go and do it, right? Uh, it, it helps us understand that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, now we have that truth, so what do we do with it? If the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, what do we do with it? Well, we're putting in a place where we can ask the question, well, do I want to have wisdom or do I not want to have wisdom? Well, which is it for you? Do you want to have wisdom or do you not want to have wisdom? Most of us would say, well, it seems pretty foolish to say I don't want wisdom. I mean, I don't want to be a fool, right? So now we have, we, we have the, the question before us. We've answered that question. We want to have wisdom. Now we have the truth and how to achieve that wisdom. Well, it starts with the fear of the Lord. So I'm going to start fearing God. I'm going to be God-fearing. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to uh, be set apart to God. I'm not going to mess around with sin. I'm going to recognize God's a holy God. So that's, that's the proverb. So when God says that, hey, if you obey my commands, you'll have someone on the throne. But if you don't, you're not going to do this. And when people walk by, you, you won't have a person on the throne. People are going to walk by and look at the the house and say, they forsook the Lord their God. And what are they all going to say? These people walking by, hissing at the temple, seeing the destructed temple and this, this destroyed house and, and a vacant Israel. They're going to say, they forsook the Lord their God. What idiots. I mean, that's really what's going to be. That's the proverb. And why would you do that? If you know the, right, the way of righteousness, well, man's wandering heart. 
So once again, we come back to that aspect of walk in the Lord, build up your relationship with the Lord. Uh, finishing up this part of the passage, and we're going to close here tonight. Then they will answer, because they forsook the Lord their God, who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt, and have embraced other gods, and worshipped them, and served them. Therefore, the Lord has brought all this calamity on them. They will be a testament to who the Lord God is, and knowing that because they forsook God, that is why this calamity has come upon them. God is a jealous God. Now, jealous, not in the sense of man's jealousy. Man's jealousy is evil. Man does evil things with his jealousy. I mean, you can have a good kind of jealousy. You can be jealous for your kids or jealous for the intention of your wife. But oftentimes the way we uh, express jealousy is in in an evil manner. Uh, But uh, God is a jealous God. He's jealous for your worship. Because he alone deserves the worship. He's absolutely justified in being jealous because you are his creation. How foolish it would be for you to walk away and embrace other gods and worship them. And so God says that then calamity will fall on them. And of course, we know that the judgment awaits those who reject the Lord Jesus Christ. And I can think of no greater calamity than the judgment that you stand for your own sin. You say, no, no, I don't need Jesus to forgive me of my sin. I can stand for myself. Or you start to excuse away your sin saying, I have no sin before God. I can think of no greater foolishness and no, no greater calamity awaiting someone who rejects the wonderful gift of God in Christ Jesus, that forgiveness of sin that we can have. You can avoid the entire judgment. You can have eternal life. All the promises of God uh, in Jesus Christ. But you have to believe on the Lord Jesus. You have to turn from your way of life, your sin, your leadership, and put Jesus on the, the throne of your life. That's the choice you have to make. We'll close there for tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you uh, for your word tonight. Lord, we thank you that we can study your word. And uh, Lord, for the wonderful victory Solomon experienced uh, We thank you, God, for these victories that you give us in our lives and the times in which you meet us. And Lord, now we want to echo that prayer of Solomon. Lord, let us walk in your ways. Let us be steadfast. God, let us have hearts that are dedicated to you. Lord, let us have this wonderful fidelity with you and nothing else of this world. Lord, we thank you, God, that you have promised us salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, that... If you promise it, you will do it. You are faithful with all your word. And so, Lord, now we turn our hearts toward you, and we pray that even this week, this word might echo in our hearts and upon our minds. And, Lord, bless each and every one who came tonight and sat through your word and learned from you. And, Lord, we pray that, God, that you would bear much fruit. We thank you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you as you walk in him. May he fill your heart with joy. Amen.